Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. It's uh, Roxanne Derhodge of Authentic Living with Roxanne. Thanks for tuning in again today. Uh, today, I have a special guest, Nikita Burks-Hale. I love your name, by the way. Thank you. It's That's a, kind of one of those names that just rolls off your tongue really, really nice. It was a mix. So my wife and I, we didn't want to give up our names, so we made it work and put them together. <laughs> well, it, it sounds like it, it's perfect, actually. Uh, so Nikita, um, you know, brings to the table a pretty interesting um, space. So I'll tell you a little bit about her. Um, she's known as the journey coach. So she takes people along a journey um, and you're a journeyer. And is that the term? Yes. Journeyer. Yes. In every sense of the world of the word and has dedicated her life and her life's work to guiding and supporting women in their journey to live, uh, to live more imperfect, authentic and intentional lives. And does that, those words so resonate with uh, what I talk about, which is authenticity. When uh, Nikki is not journeying or uh, building the Journey Girl Magic Empire, she can be found on the couch playing uh, 20 questions with her wife, Jessica, or Mickey. And Mickey is your, your son. Or listening to Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. My son's oh! name is Adonis. And so he... Adonis. Oh, yes. oh, my goodness. That's <laughs> what, a, what a beautiful name. So, Nikki, let's talk a little bit about kind of um, journeying. Like, I, I've, it's, you know, it's a, it's a new, I know the concept of journeying, but never really thought about someone doing that, I think. So tell me, tell me kind of what, what got you on that path to start to want to do that in, in, in your coaching kind of practice. Right. So for me, this idea of journeying, first off, is always moving. So really trying not to stay stagnant, not staying stuck in your mind, in your thoughts, in your current situation, but always moving and not necessarily wanting more, but just always moving and working to become the best version of yourself. Okay. And so I have always been a journeyer and the way it showed up was me trying to be perfect. Mm. And so constantly searching for whatever it was that would make me perfect, that would make me good enough. And that did not prove very fruitful <laughs> because I was looking for some outward for something that was within myself. Mm -hmm. And so then it became this journey, this beautiful lifelong journey of rediscovering myself, all of my gifts, all of my talents, um, all of my passions. And so I took that into my professional world, which is empowering women of color to do the same, to really look within themselves and first off recognize how amazing they are, how resilient they are, um, what they bring to the table and then how they can get, uh, continue uncovering, unfolding who they are and to become the best versions of themselves. So let's talk about that element of perfection. Um, mm -hmm. where, where did you start to learn those messages um, in your life that made you feel like you had to be perfect? I think what started out with my so going way back with my parents, um, my mom and my dad were 13 years apart and I was an army brat. So really by the time that 
I was born, they were on the tail end of their army life. Um, and then unfortunately, because of the stressors with the army, my dad was alcoholic, um, not a violent alcoholic, um, thankfully, but one of just those quiet alcoholics and drank himself to three strokes, um, being able, being transferred into a behavior intensive unit, um, really having, because he also did two terms in Vietnam, a lot of mental issues. Um, and so that idea of not wanting to rock the boat, just wanting to be the perfect daughter because my mom already had a left on her plate. Mm. Um, and so what could I do to be just enough, to do just enough, to help whenever I could? I became the ultimate helper um, and just not do anything that would cause any more burden to anyone. I did not want to be a burden. I only wanted to help. And so that's where it started. Um, and then because I wanted to help out or do just enough, my mom recognized that and, and tried to push me to do other activities. And so I, I did dance. I was a dancer for 30 years. Um, I also did um, swimming and archery and just all of these different things that I took to varsity levels. Mm. And with that also came this idea of wanting to be the best, wanting to be perfect, wanting to make my mom proud because she put me in these and I wanted to make sure that I was taking full advantage and being the best that I could be. So ready out of something quite adverse, there, there, there was strength that was found from it to, to find activities. She was at least aware and not completely um, in, absorbed with what your dad was doing, because I'm sure, you know, was your mom also in the, in the army or was she, she also was, but she yes. still was aware. Um, did you have any siblings, Nikita? I have one. I have one sister. Okay. Okay. And uh, so somewhere in there, mom was not so enmeshed with dad that she was able to see that. Did she also see that in your sister and was able to recognize those things to kind of guide your sister to, to, to kind of go after things that would make her excel? Um, I think cause me and my sister, we have a lot, we're a lot alike, but then my sister takes a lot after my dad. So she's really headstrong. We'll take any opportunity. So I was the more quieter one um, mm -hmm. and kind of, stood back a bit and so she put a little bit more of that into me because my sister just naturally went for it oh, okay so she just she was one of those kids that could just keep going and yes. kind of path that way regardless of of what was right. happening for her. Right. now you talked a little bit about resilience in in black women or non-white women and i want to talk a little bit about that because i've really never discussed on my podcast anything about resilience from that perspective and mm. i really I, and i want to i want to kind of preface like i grew up i'm brown i grew up in the caribbean though which is a different context and i think you and i when we were meeting meeting initially we talked about that context about um how it might be different and my context was you know I'm brown. My best friend is, uh, she's half black, half, half Chinese. The other one is half Chinese, half, you know, half white. Um, and so we had every color of the rainbow that surrounded me growing up, uh, even though I grew up in a kind of a colonial kind of uh, elements with um, indentured uh, laborers, right. slavery in the context and colonialism. Right, right. So there was that element, right? But I think what superseded things was that, you know, your president was black or your dentist was Chinese or, you know, so we, I saw a lot of these modeling things growing up. And, but when I came to North America, um, to Canada specifically, then I realized, whoa, that's, that's different because a lot of the kids that I was meeting 
would use uh, that were non-white we're talking about they'd never seen anybody in, in positions of power that were non-white right yes. and i know yes. you know looking at that in the canadian context and then of course the american context so i want you to kind of so me i kind of grew up here and thinking well you could, i could just kind of do whatever i wanted because mm -hmm. i'd seen it even right. though there was that backdrop of colonialism in, in, in your context growing up, growing up in, in the States and stuff like that, tell me what that whole element of resilience means to be, to be resilient as a non-white woman in that space. And I think, and I will speak for me, but then I also say, I would believe for most women of color, resilience is this invisible cape that we don't realize that we have. Um, just because the footing that we start on, it's automatically at a different level. And oftentimes it's, things are just tougher. And I know that makes people may think like, well, we're in the 21st century, like we're to 2020. Yes, and also we are still operating on the system that was built from slavery, uh, from the remnants of slavery. And so this idea of, resi of resilience and the many ways that it shows up um, and something that is very small when usually active resilience is typically you have a situation, one situation that causes you to become this person you never thought you were. When resilience are these many moments that happen every day in life for women of color, I believe. Mm -hmm. So from when you are looking at the news and you see that there's been another story of somebody being shot when, mm -hmm. that, when they sh there's no reason, no seeming reason to. When you are walking into work and someone is greeting you but with microaggressions. When you are prepping your son to go to school knowing that you have to say, all right, I need you to be on your best behavior. Let's make sure that you are um, being the best version of yourself is what I say with my son or using your hands right now because he's only two, but he's in his <laughs> pinching phase and it's mine phase. And so right. having to really be intentional and saying we use our hands to help and not to harm mm. um, because I don't want anyone to foresee him and judge him based on his skin color first mm -hmm. um, that he's pinching and hitting so he's aggressive. Mm. And so these little acts of resilience are, are very small and consistent and constant every single day, I believe, in the choices that we have to make, not only for the moment, but the lasting um, effect that they will have for the life, if that mm -hmm. answers the question. So that invisible cape, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk, I mean, never heard that term, and I, 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 I find it powerful to think of it in that context. When did you realize you had to wear that invisible cape? How old were you when you realized, you know what, I'm a bit different because mm -hmm. you're an army brat. So you're seeing, right. you're seeing everything, right? Right. Definitely. Or is it, is it that you saw a lot of diversity on the basis or did you see, were you still a minority on the basis? Um, it was because by the time that I was born, they were on the tail end. Um, so I was actually born in Alaska and that was one of the last um, stations that my mom was stationed at before we finished up in Savannah, Georgia. And so I think I really saw this idea of invisible cape when I started coaching. I really did not grasp this concept until I heard women's stories about what they've had to overcome and how these small moments, seemingly small moments, are really what has built their resiliency. When in one day they, um, they may have lost their job or they may have lost somebody in their family, but then had to deal with judgment about something else in their lives and it's just things that stack on top of each other mm -hmm. um so for instance for myself um one moment that became multiple moments was a few uh just a couple of weeks ago or maybe a couple of months ago 
um, I'm currently going through the IVF process. And so this idea of going through IVF and then um, I actually had a, a death of somebody really close to me, which is my father-in-law died from complications from the flu. And on top mm -hmm. of that, going through the IVF pro process, we found that we had a positive pregnancy test. And then two days later, finding that it ended in a chemical pregnancy. And oh. so these multiple moments stacking on top of each other that I just hear a lot from women of color. That is just not one singular moment. It's multiple things on top of each other. And it's so compounded that you have no choice but to just take a deep breath and say, this is a lot. And I know I can't completely break down because I can't do that right now. So I need to continue moving forward. I need to continue being there for others. I need to continue showing up for myself. But this has made me stronger. That's something that I heard resounded multiple, multiple times of, I know the situation was a lot, but it just made me stronger and going forward from there. So the additional pressures of stuff, right? Like a yes. lot of stuff happening in life, but you say on top of that, um, use the word microaggressions. And for people that don't understand it, I'd like you to break it down because, you know, I know with us, we know what it means, but a lot of people, they may not get right. what that is. What, what is in a microaggression and how would that play into that whole element of the invisible cape a lot, along with having to cope with all the other shitty stuff that life can bring our way? Exactly. So I would say microaggressions are these small moments where you are changing an interaction to, to further connect because you think that the person is different. So for instance, if I'm walking into work and someone's like, oh, hey, girlfriend, I love your hair. Can I touch your hair? The fact that you felt that say, hey, girlfriend, that you then had to add body language to like sway your head when you said, hey, girlfriend, that you notice that my hair was somehow different and not like yours. And because of that, you wanted to touch it. Though so just mm -hmm. that simple, hey, girlfriend, how are you? Was three different microaggressions right there. And it's not to necessarily say if you, because everybody has my, does microaggressions in some way, shape or form. It doesn't necessarily mean for myself that you are racist. It is based in a system that is not, that is based on, it is based in a system that is unjust and it's coming from just a different time period of judgment. And so, um, I just want to make it clear that if you do get caught out on microaggressions, you're not necessarily racist. Mm -hmm. It's just that you're a part of a bigger system that needs fixing. Mm -hmm. so. And what, what, in that world, right? Mm -hmm. right. So how, how, how do you, I mean, you, you are at a university from what I was yes. remembering you, right? Yes. Um, do you find that that stuff happens that, does it happen often? In this particular university, not as much as far as like the hey girlfriend, but it's almost so not as much in my current university because okay. um, there are, are a lot of black and brown people in my university and in positions of power. Okay. Um, and so I can say I don't see it uh, as much in my current university. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, I'll, I'll pause there because I, I was going to go and like, well, let me think and let me, but um, <laughs> for the sake of time and I'm a processor, I'm just going to say, I don't automatically think of situations. That doesn't mean that they don't occur, but mm -hmm. nothing specific situations like that do not come to the forefront of my mind. So let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about um, resilience and mm -hmm. what kind of things um, with your clients, you continually, the, the, the stories you get and the things that people have to do. And of course, you two also going through um, you know, the experience of, you know, living, you know, in a state potentially that maybe, maybe a bit compared to say Canada, I, I you know, we know Correct. it's different people, you know, I live like, for instance, I'll give you my contacts. I live in a tiny little town. Okay. 
Um, and I have lived here for over 30 years and I came here 30 years ago when I got married and, um, when people met me, they didn't know where to put me mm-hmm. because and I'm still probably one of the only non-white there's sorry, there's two <laughs> non-white <laughs> individuals, uh, a girlfriend of myself that live in this little town okay. 30 years ago. They didn't know, you know, what are you? Are you black? Right, are you white? Right. Do you speak English? Right. Where did you come from? Kind of thing. That's 30 years ago. But today people have more exposure, but it's still very, very homogeneous and very um, Anglo. Um, so, and still there's this understanding potentially that, you know, in the North, we were a little bit, you know, I'm going to, I don't want to use the word ahead, but that's because we just had a bit of different context. So there right. may be the, the, some of the things happening, but it's not as overt where, but as unfortunately in the South, you know, there was obviously more, more overt, no, no hiding over there. Yes. So I would think that some of the resilience things and the, uh, that women, black women or women of color had to deal with has been more treacherous, I would say. I would definitely agree. Um, just from, and even I think for myself, while I may not have had a lot of direct, um, just it's constantly on the news. It's constantly, mm-hmm. I'm hearing about it with friends. It's constantly in the work that I do with my clients, hearing their stories. And so that has affected me. And so this idea of resilience and working with my clients, um, hearing their stories and the ones who maybe have not had specific incidents. Again, they talk about every time on the news, I'm hearing this or I'm hearing the both sides, those who are the victims of just racism and and have to practice resilience. And also the ones who on the other side, so a lot of Southerners who say, I am not racist. Alert Durgens. Travelers returning to Ontario, you are at high risk of spreading COVID-19. Emergency alert, alert Durgens. Sorry about that. That that was just, that was just a covert. I'd never have seen seen one of those yet um, (laughs) for COVID-19, talking about being topically relevant. Um, Very much so. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, and I've lost my train of thought there for a second, but so really that whole element of resilience mm-hmm. with your, with your particular clientele, are there things that you teach that would be a bit different, say compared to say maybe somebody else that's coaching, that's not uh, specifically um, have your kind of small subset of coaching? Right. So I would say my first step is to work to have them see their resilience to see that they're always focusing on moving forward to take a moment and to look back and to look where they're currently at and see how much they have overcome. And then from there, looking at these five specific steps of how that has brought them to that. And so for me, I'll call those the five steps for starting your imperfect journey. Mm -hmm. And so in them seeing their resilience and the best version of themselves, which I think is for me, my code word of the ultimate form of resilience. um, It is one showing up showing up for those hardships that have built your resilience, Mm -hmm. being vulnerable in those hardships and letting people see that this hurts you, this infuriates you, this is not fair, but you still got through it. Mm -hmm. Um, Being grateful throughout these moments that build your resilience and say that I know that one of my best friends says life is not happening to me, it's happening for me. Mm -hmm. And so taking that idea of like, where can I find the light in this? Because that's Mm -hmm. what's going to keep me moving forward. Being a badass, which is harnessing this, saying that speaking up, realizing the power that you hold in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. And that really 
builds the footing for that resilience. And then finally enjoying the ride, realizing that this is all part of a bigger journey, a bigger experience for your good to be the best version of yourself. And so that's kind of the, the steps and the actual um, tools that I use for people to first recognize their resilience and then build those steps. Uh, I would say that we are making steps, but sometimes it seems like we take two steps and we take three steps back, right? Yes. yes and I, I always say that, you know, we are as much as, and I'm, I will say this, and if you want to shoot me in the head, you can, mm -hmm. because resilience is about saying, you know, okay, we are not defined, even though systemically some of the things we are talking about Emergency are real. Alert, alert um, Voyagers to retour in Ontario. Emergency alert. Oh alert my urgence. goodness, and I don't know how to turn Voyagers it off. Voyagers to retour in Ontario. So what I would say is that even though it's a systemic issue we're talking about and we are making inroads and we are far off, we have taken strides. But I always try to say um, to my, my clients that I coach is that you are not defined by your past. We, there are things that we need to break through and we need to continue to break through, but you have control over what things you let in or what things you, you keep out. And that's with the skills that, you know, I'm sure you teach your clients and I teach my clients on an ongoing basis. You are not defined by the pain from which you came. Correct. Right. Just, you, you know, you have to, to, to keep at it because our brain and our body, um, you know, as an, a so powerful that we can do certain things with it. And this is not in any way to, to put down any of the things that we're talking about, because it, I know it's real. It's very, very real. You know, being a, a female, you know, in corporate carries right. certain things. Being, you know, a non-female, white female in a corporate situation as females, you know, you're, you know, you're an educated person as I am. Right. There's, certain, there's certain limits that we're not going to come up against. But really, that resilience is something that, um, any one of us can learn the skills and not buy into that I, I am defined based on the pain that I came from. Would you agree with that statement? Nikita? Exactly. Because at the end of the day, when you, when you think about that, that statement of I'm defined by the pain, that is a very, like, I don't hear when I hear that a lot of power, like in that I feel like a victim. And so this idea of resilience is, even in that situation, and I use this, I say this lightly, but hopefully your, your audience and your community will understand, everyone had a choice in the situation, meaning that you now have a choice of whether the situation defines you, whether it propels you, whether it stops you, there's always a choice. Mm -hmm. And so focus on the choice and not that situation, because that's where the real power is. Absolutely. And we all yeah. have that. And, uh, you know, it's, the world out here, like especially as we tape this today, is very uncertain, and all we really have control over is what we, what little steps that we take in day in day out. And yes, we all get overwhelmed by things that sometimes seems out of control, but we can take those small steps daily, as you know, to 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 make a shift in our situation. Even though at times you think, oh, I'm going to give up today, and I'm going to try again tomorrow, that knowing that it's 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 possible to make change. Uh, exactly. it's, it's a lot of hard work and, you know, you have to keep at it, but then that things can, can change. Now, Nikita, I'm sure people will want to connect with you and uh, chat about, you know, more about this uh, journey girl magic. So where can they get a hold of you and how, if they wanted to work with you, where could they get a hold of you to work with you? Yeah, so definitely. Um, 
Journey Girl Magic it has a website. We So it's www.journeygirlmagic.com. And girl is spelled with a U. So that's one because I focus on you and not I. So different. Mm-hmm. Um, I also on Facebook and Instagram. It's Journey Girl Magic. So I can be found there. I do have a couple of courses as well. Um, and I'm working on a, developing a, a one-on-one coaching program. So I would say first, find me on the website. Find me on my podcast, the Journey Girl Mar- Magic podcast. And then from there, our journey will begin through courses and um, connection. Well, thank you so much with being with us today. So my takeaway is we can't, we can't change what's happened, but we can take the steps to, to, to be brave enough to recognize that we're not going to be defined by our past. Exactly. And we're going to take those steps day in, day out um, to, 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 to move forward. And we're, we can succumb to being victims or we can take power and control over what is possible in our own lives. Um, so take that step today. Uh, make that difference in your lives, in someone else's life. Be that mentor or mentee to somebody else that's looking at you and emulating you because you never know. You never know who's uh, looking on or listening and learning from some of the lessons that we shared today. So again, if you're needing anything further on me, I'm Roxanne Durhodge. I'm a mental health and wellness specialist, and you can reach me at RoxanneDurhodge.com. Take care, Nikita. Thank you again. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.